Welcome back to the Spirit of Haggard. I am your host, Jody Lynch Findlay, podcaster, speaker, and facilitator. We are here today with a very special bonus episode of the Spirit of Haggard. And uh, Jay McCord, we're excited to have you. And I know this is going to be an amazing episode that is a little different for our listeners. So we spend a lot of time talking about the people and the stories behind the spirit of Haggard and really kind of opening the curtain to give our listeners a peek inside this amazing equine industry, uh, Central Kentucky, and also Haggard Equine Medical Institute. So here we are on the Haggard campus, and I would love to introduce you to our fantastic listeners for the spirit of Haggard. Jay, tell us a little bit about who you are. Well, number one, I'm so honored to be with you and doing this, and uh, what a privilege it really is. So I'm a Lexington guy. I'm a third-generation Lexingtonian. Uh, Grew up here, went to uh, high school here, stayed and lived a childhood fantasy dream in college. I was a D1 athlete, but not the D1 that most people think. Uh, From 1988 to 1991 at the University of Kentucky, I got the privilege of being the Wildcat mascot. And I tell you that for two reasons. One, uh, I think it's strange that I work with veterinarians so much and I dressed up like an animal. But two uh, is that I'm still that guy at heart. I'm just a cheerleader. Uh, you know, my corporate brand, as you know, is your chief encouragement officer. And it's yes. just an extension of what I did in college where I love to see people win, go to new levels of success, uh, cheer people on, and, and especially in this community uh, because of so many headwinds and challenges that this community is facing right now. I love being a cheerleader here for equine medicine. I love that. And so you alluded to the fact that you did not come up in equine veterinary medicine. So I think that it is only fair to share with our listeners a little bit about how you got here. Maybe there's someone to blame even. (laughs) In Um, the room that we sit sit in. (laughs) Well, there's only two of us here. That's right. And you are to blame for this. (laughs) Uh, The backstory, though, is, is that Apparently, back in the day, my dad had a gambling habit at the track. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't have it anymore. My dad's uh, still alive. Everything's great. But the bottom line is, is that my mother thought that I would pick up that same habit. So I was kept away from the horse industry completely until I dated a girl in high school whose dad was clerk of scales at Keeneland. I went in and kind of hung out with the jockeys and stuff, but that's not really much. But back in 2000, I had kind of a, a major life crisis, professional crisis, and was just needing some work in the summertime. And an equine vet at that point in time had thrown his back out right before the September sales and said, could oh, you wow. carry my scope? He goes, it's not hard work. I just can't reach the, the plugins, you know, at Keeneland or at the top of those stalls. And he said, I just need somebody to carry my scope. That was the first time I ever saw the industry. And I was blown away. Absolutely fascinated with how the industry works, but especially on the on the uh, the medical side of it, um, and in that f- frantic uh, mode that you go into in the sales, yes. you know, and so forth. You're really seeing the business at, at, at an interesting space. So I, even though my professional life turned around the, the next year, I took off two weeks and did it again with him because I was so fascinated by it. Oh wow! Yeah. So fast forward. Um, 
because of that crazy professional uh, crisis that I was in in 2000, um, I started looking for an opportunity to start my own business. And I, I started speaking all over the country on this multi-generational workplace 22 years ago now. And it's obviously grown and it's gotten white hot. Okay. Yes. But back in 2017, uh, Deb Hamelbeck asked me when she was the head of the chamber in Paris, Kentucky to come down and talk about these generations and that was a really big event for a chamber event. There were like 380 people in that room. I remember did 90 minutes on generations, saying goodbye to everybody. And this very full of energy, <laughs> six foot tall woman approaches me and says, can you do that talk for 60 equine vets in August? Yes. Her name was Jody Finley, I believe. Yes. And our friendship began that day. It did. And what was really cool about that, Jody, was you said... This is a huge problem for the folks that I serve. Yes. And it's not the four-leggeds that get them. It's the two-leggeds that get them. And we started talking that summer about that event and how I could help practice owners and younger vets bridge some of that friction, that, that gap. And we did that event. And for me, what was beautiful was you had invited so many folks and I remember after that event was over, everybody was like, wow, that was amazing. I never thought about that before and so forth, which is music to my ears. But a couple of your compadres there said, man, we got to get this message out. Yes. And that started where we are today. And one event would lead to the next. You would say, I've got this group that I need you to talk to, or I want to introduce you to these folks. And for the last, gosh, now six years, I've been all over the country um, talking to equine vets and now vets of all species. Right. Uh, but I, my heart is with equine vets so much so yeah. uh, because this is a, a, a problem I can help them fix. Um, it's not as daunting as it may seem, uh, but it all started with you bounding up and saying, <laughs> Hey, that would work with some vets. I got, I got some people that need help in yes. this area. And it is. I think that is, and that's why we were so excited just to get you here because we have now done so many of these events. Yeah. And my passion, this was my 10th year this year. I have celebrated 10 years in central Kentucky working with the equine industry, working with equine veterinarians. Obviously, it's my passion. So especially for our students, you know, we have so many listeners that are undergraduate students and vet school students who are interested in pursuing careers as equine veterinarians and serving this industry. And one of the reasons that I believe you are so key in as being a part of this community is that it is the business of people. We can go into equine veterinary medicine. We can go into sales roles. It is all the business of people. And that, in my mind now, where we are providing some exceptional academic and clinical education, that what we have the opportunity to do is enhance our community building and connections. And so that's a great example of a connection that then has been just so beneficial for so many folks, including myself. Right. I've learned so much from you and we've continued to take your wisdom and messages out to not only our tenured 
veterinarians, but also those who are entering the space to really understand. So take us a little deeper. I know that our listeners want to hear, well, what does that mean when we talk about communicating across a (laughs) multi-generational workplace? What's in it for me? You know, what's that matter? Right. right. So let me me start with this. Everybody listening needs to understand that there is a, uh, a storm that has formed and it has three headwinds and none of these headwinds have existed before. So you are in a storm of chaos right now. These three headwinds have formed a storm of chaos. The first is the COVID pandemic. No one has ever tried to do equine medicine in a pandemic unless you got somebody from 1918, like (laughs) hanging out in the back consulting you. Nobody knows what they're doing. And so that is daunting enough. Then you throw in the headwind of people have the shortest attention spans in history. Eight seconds or less. Eight seconds. Right? It's crazy. So the trouble with e- with equine medicine is you all don't talk about like simple topics. You've got big words with <laughs> complex things. And so you have to understand that your audience may not have any bandwidth to hear what you're saying. And they're not listening to you because of that short attention span. And then the third headwind, which I consider the, the, the biggie, and it's really kind of a mixing metaphors. It's a headwater issue is you have more generations working side by side right now than ever before. You have five. At the moment, you have five. Wow. And so one of the macro trends that everybody listening needs to understand is this. Um, I call it the compression of the two tens. It's just something I named that you could understand this problem. But on one side of this, uh, you have a 10 that equals 10,000 baby boomers every single day, Jody, for the next 15 years are going to retire. So 10,000 boomers are retiring. So not only in this industry, but think of your client base. Think of your, um, you know, your banker, all the people that support you. 10,000, your attorney, are going to retire every single day in that cohort. And that's going to put pressure on you. It is putting pressure. And that's going to go on for 15 years. On the other side, you have another 10 that is pushing against that one. And it's, we've just come through a 10-year window where millennials, those born roughly between 1981 and 2000, have become the largest generation in the workplace and the largest generation on the planet. So boomers, mortality has caught caught you, boomers. Sorry, they beat you (laughs) numbers-wise. They're more so in the workplace, which means they're dictating terms now. Yes. And so who is coming out of grad school, out of vet school? Millennials. Yes. So they're also our horse owners. Yes. So the last stat we had, I know we were about 43% of horse owners are millennials. Okay. And that's at least three-year-old data. That's huge to understand. And, And so you have the dynamics of, let's just be really, really honest. Um, you have boomers that came into this business and they worked eight days a week, 25 hours a day for decades. And their mentality has been, I'm going to work this hard so that I can retire. And someone younger is going to come in and buy the practice and this, that, and that. What they didn't take into account was the average student loan debt of uh, that school student is $180,000. I was with a young girl from the University of Arizona at AAP two years ago, and she will graduate with $400,000 worth of debt. Yes. So starting salary is what? sixty to 80000 depending on where you live. Yeah. Yeah. And oh yeah, the, those loans that you get, those are awesome, aren't they? That that you do on the what's the I don't forget the name of what you pay, like you pay based on what you make, right. uh, whatever that term is. And so every seven years, though, your your balance rolls back over, and so all that interest 
goes into being principal. Yeah. So you can't get out of it. And, it, and and that creates all the other problems we know. But to your audience, what you have to understand everybody listening is boomers are retiring at 10,000 a day and millennials are moving up into decision-making roles every day. And that's putting monster pressure on everyone. And so that's the macro dynamic. And then you get into, we've got these five generations yeah. that all want it their own way and are all demanding it their own way. Right. And so what I find funny is, uh, you say something and you have no comprehension that what you said might've been heard five different ways. And I always use the, the example, Jody, of uh, if I had you define the words, simple technology, would someone older than you define that different? Sure. Yes. Someone younger? Absolutely. But I just said, oh, oh, this is simple technology. This is simple technology. What we have to realize is, is that what we're saying is landing different with that audience. Yeah. And, uh, in this, in the equine side of things, it's never the the uh, the four leggeds that give you the trouble. It's always the two leggeds. Right. And so, I just think that understanding that macro dynamic of boomer retirements, millennials moving up, and these five generations all wanting what they want—if you understand that, it it's now like a fish trying to describe water. You know, you've been in it, you can't really describe it, but oh right. wait. Now I see water differently. I'm, I'm thinking about this different. So that's what I love to bring to the table. Yes. Well, and I love it. And a lot of times it comes back to, I talk a lot about becoming our most effective selves. Yes. If we are going to change the world, because we want to change the world. Yeah. And if we are going to graduate and move into a career that is part of our life yeah. and you know, that's, let's face it. If you want to go into the business of equine, whether you want to be a veterinarian or, or supporting the industry in some way, this is really about a career that is a part of our lives. Yeah. And it is a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. Yeah. I yes. mean, we, my wife and I both spent time, she did two tours of duty in a, uh, a large Fortune 500 company that makes a certain product that I won't mention <laughs> that is just, it's a technology and it's super high tech, but it's an office supply. It's boring. I mean, right. it's not a lifestyle. It's a paycheck. Yes. You know, and it's super hard to get excited about. I go to work every day and I make one of these or we sold a hundred more of those. Yeah. And what I love about your profession and why I love hanging out with y'all being part of the community is <laughs> You know, is the fact that it is a lifestyle that when you talk to folks in this world, they will say, you know, I, I truly love, obviously, the animals, but I love being outside. I love that every day yes. is different from each other. I love that that dang horse is the, the glue between a multi-gazillionaire and the person mucking a stall. Right. That, that they have that horse in common and it brings all these different people together. You don't get that when you're selling a office supply right. that will remain anonymous. <laughs> that, but so I just I see that I, I see where the passion comes from, that and I see where the frustration comes from. Is I, I we want to do this, but oftentimes we want to do this our way mm-hmm. generationally, and what we don't take into account is that that generational dynamic of you know well what is hard, let's let's take another set of words hard work. Yes. Right. If you say hard work, different generations are going to define it different. And a lot of times when you're older, you say it's working eight days a week, 25 hours a day for decades. And when you're younger, you're saying, yeah, but wait a minute, hold up. That that has 
zero quality of life. And I'm going to the hospital because I worked that hard. And oh, by the way, you didn't have this kind of debt when you started this thing. Right. You know, and so forth. So if, if, if I can help translate that a little yeah. bit, it, it takes some of the pressure off of you and you can have a much better communication internally and with clients. I mean, that's the other Absolutely. piece of the equation. So Absolutely. And so there are so many opportunities. Let's pause for just a minute to hear from our friends at Bymeda, our Spirit of Haggard podcast sponsor. Bymeda might just be the largest animal health company you have never heard of until now. Bymeda Animal Health's equine products have been trusted by veterinarians and horse owners since the 1960s where our Irish roots began. Bymeda is one of the largest producers of dewormers for horses like Equimax, Bimectin, Duramectin, and Exodus. World-renowned equine athletes rely on polyglycan, a patented formula designed to replace lost or damaged synovial fluid, and Confidence Ec 1% pheromone gel that reduces and prevents equine stress, to name a few of our branded products. We encourage you to consult with your equine veterinarian before using any equine products for your horse. Also, please visit buymedaus.com to learn more about our full product offerings and where you can buy them. Let's give our listeners a couple of those takeaways. You're you're always mm-hmm. so good at that. So I'll throw a word out that we are spending way too much time talking about now, but, but not probably way too much time because it, it's a reality. Okay. So the term burnout. Ah, what's that? Ooh, yes. <laughs> burnout? I've never heard the like. Yes. What are you talking about? So burnout in the space of equine veterinary medicine, and let's apply some of your learnings, your teachings of communicating across a multi-generational workplace and and why that becomes an effective tool for us to be more effective professionals. Yeah. Well, burnout's real. I mean, and, and it is, we're operating on a super unhealthy pace, regardless of what we do but especially in this industry. I agree. Super unhealthy. COVID gave us a chance, Jody, though, to reset a little bit. I mean, like, I, I know we've joked about it before, but it kept it kept the owners out of the operating room, so to speak, sometimes. Right. Like, we can keep them at the fence and at the gate. Um, you know, so I think that COVID, one of the first things I would say to everybody listening is, if you had an imaginary T-shirt underneath all your garb that said, COVID made me do it, Okay. <laughs> What could you blame on COVID? What are some of the changes you'd like to make that would slow burnout down? Much like, hey, COVID made me do it where the owner has to stay at the gate. Well, there's no reason you have to let them back in. I mean, COVID made me do it. We That's a policy we kept since COVID, right? Right. Always make COVID the bad guy because people love making COVID the bad guy. <laughs> Don't be the bad guy. So one, if there's certain things that you can blame on COVID, use COVID as cover, um, use it as the opportunity. That's the first thing I'd say is if there's things that you're that are frying you uh, time-wise or people-wise, look to see if COVID might be a way that you could say, mm, we're just not going to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. Or I'm just not, I learned that I couldn't do it that way and we're doing it this way, right? Yes. And I think a lot of vets have done that to a certain degree, but I don't think they've done it um, formally. Okay. I think it's been more in, like, Hey, I just don't do that anymore or whatever. But I think you just start making them policies where it's like, no, this is more healthy for us. Um, I know you guys as a community, (laughs) you are always on call and you feel like you've got to take that call you personally Mm -hmm. or else. 
I heard a great saying, and I've used it a bunch here right recently, is it's what you tolerate. It's what you tolerate yes. is what you get. And if you tolerate somebody calling you constantly or abusing you or your time or your staff's time or whatever, then if, if that's toler- tolerated, that's going to be accepted. And a lot of times we don't train our customers and clients the way we would like to be treated. Yes. Let COVID be the bad guy for that and say, you know, we have someone covering, but it's not always me, you know, yes. that type of thing. Um, so that's the first thing I'd say is use COVID as cover. Uh, look at the changes you've always wanted to make and and use it as we're just going to do that to protect ourselves right. and maybe our time and our energy. The second piece is where you're wanting me to go is this whole generational piece. And what I want you to understand if you're listening to this is there are five separate generations, traditionals, boomers, Gen X, millennials, and Gen Z. And yes, traditionals will step off the stage in the next five to 10 years, but Gen Z is stepping into the workplace and covering that. So you're always going to have four generations right Right now. We just got five at the moment, but I think that what I see happening with vets is um, you get very, very laser focused because you have to, Um, it's a very serious job and very important job and you miss out on the people. It's a, I just do it this way and I've always done it this way and you're going to have to do it this way or else. Okay. Well, the or else piece is going to cost you every single time because the weight of who's got the leverage is shifting right now. So just saying, well, you know what? I am this old and I've done this, that, and the other. What I tell audiences across every industry is I don't care how well you've done whatever it is you've done and how long you've been doing it. COVID erased the whiteboard of everything that you thought you knew how to do. Jody, you know that for prior to COVID, I was a, I'm a really good speaker in a live audience, right? I mean, yes. I, I love a live audience. Put me on the stage. When COVID hit, I went four months without a paycheck because nobody's having live events. Right. I had to reinvent myself to be a dynamic virtual speaker. Well, guess what? That's a whole different skill set. Yes. And so my point to, to, to your listeners is COVID created opportunities, but it also wiped out a lot of things that we thought we knew how to do. It's just a different set of rules now. And I think that's where a lot of burnout's coming from is we're scrambling around trying to yes. do this, trying to do that. Trying. So I would just say, first off, take a step back, look at COVID and use it as an excuse. Are there some things you would like to do for your own life, barrier-wise, boundary-wise, and for the practice? And Start looking at using COVID as a way to to do that. Secondly, recognize there are five generations and they all talk a different language. And everybody can, one side of the coin, think of it as a coin, is so frustrating. Gosh, I just just want to punch them. Oh my gosh, I can't believe these people are (laughs) But the other side of that coin is for the people who can navigate that. Yes. You're in the catbird seat. You're the leader. Because nobody knows what to do. And if people look to you and say, oh, my gosh, Doc, you know, you seem to have this wonderful relationship with these younger interns that we've got. You've got this wonderful relationship with this younger doc or vice versa. Or how, how are you doing that? All of a sudden, you're the most relevant leader out there in the industry or at least in your practice. I agree, Jay. And I, I get so excited about this. And I know we could talk for so long. I then want to very specifically talk to our young veterinarians, 
Let's talk to the 25 to 35 year old who is entering as an associate, right? They've done an internship. Maybe they're in an associate position. Mm -hmm. So it's sometimes what I call influencing without authority, but they're coming. So they have the same responsibility to productively communicate with their peers, their support staff, technicians, the managing or CEO veterinarian. Um, is it an independent practice or a corporate practice and the clients, not to mention the clients. So what can they do? You know, what would we say to that group? That's a millennial, yep. right? Yep. And so what, what advice do we give them? Okay. So a couple things, first off. Um, so, and I don't know if we've got time to go into it or not, but I'll, I'll camp on millennials specifically, but you know that when I go out and teach this stuff, I've distilled the five generations into five words so that yes. if you just remember the word, you can connect to them all. So if you want to go through that, we can do that, but let me camp on millennials okay. word first. Okay. Since let's, let's run this to ground before I run down another rabbit hole. <laughs> uh, but millennials, your all's word is impact. Meaning you have a predisposition, a, a wiring in your DNA to change the world. It is fundamental to you all as a generation you feel it in your bones. You want to change the world. The problem becomes that that's a very nebulous thought, and you spend a lot of time frustrated because, well, what does that mean? How could I do that? And so forth. So if I'm older and I'm trying to get you on my team, what I constantly do is ask, how do you see change in the world and how can I help? I'm always asking for you to join my team and showing you how, you know what, working here with me um, you can change. You don't have to do anything different. You can just change the world by doing this. That whole change the world thing. You have to know as a younger person that that's built in you. If you're if you're millennial, um, so that's not where the person above you is. Right. That's not their point. That's not their word and where their point of view is. And so here's what I would tell anybody listening of any age: one of the best questions you can ask of yourself. In any human encounter, you don't really have to answer this with animals. Maybe you do, actually, now that I'm sitting here thinking about it. But the the question that you should answer is, what problem do I solve for you? Whoever you is across from you. So, you know, uh, so the problem I helped Jody Finley solve was uh, helping your client base, the people you intersect with every day, understand this thing that's frustrating them beyond belief, Mm -hmm. that they can't get out of a book. And they can't get it vet school. Um, hey, I've got a guy that can solve this problem. You brought me in to this world. And I talk about the stuff we're talking about now. Yeah. And I'm watching relationships mend. And it's yes. really cool. And right? flourish. And flourish. And so as a younger person, what you need to ask yourself is when you go in that practice, start asking yourself, what problem do I solve for this practice owner? Yeah. You know, what, what problem can I solve for this client today? Past just fixing the horse. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, obviously there's that, but, but can I do it in a way that they really want? I mean, over communicative, let's say, or in a timely fashion, let's say whatever it is that they're, tr- that person in front of you needs solved. You should ask, be asking yourself, how can I help solve that, that problem? And if you ask yourself that, then what you're in turn doing is you're bringing value to the relationship. Mm-hmm. And all I'm telling you all listening is, you should just try and bury the person across from you with value. Like if you do that, good things happen, Right. but you've got to know what they value, not you. Yes. And this is a huge disconnect amongst generations is uh, 
I don't value the same thing as a baby boomer. I'm Gen X. You know, I don't value the same thing as a Gen Z or what. So I've got to get inside their head a little bit, spend time with them and then ask myself, hmm, what problem could I solve for them today? Yeah. And it's like magic. It's crazy, Jody. If you just ask that one question. I I do. I love that. And it is because it's productive and positive. Yes. So I think sometimes where we quickly get to when we start to talk about burnout and boundaries and all these other words that we're talking about, it almost becomes conflict or combative. Yes. And so when we can listen first and ask ourselves that question, what value am I bringing? Because if I'm asking myself, what solution can I provide? And that means I have to bring value. Sometimes to me, it's what's my superpower here today? (laughs) What's the superpower? What's the superhero shirt that I need to wear today to bring this customer, this manager, this peer, whomever it is, um, value? Yeah. And so think about it this way. If uh, so, if you're a listener right now, let's just say you're younger and you are, you've got, you're a millennial and you've got a boomer boss. Okay. Practice owner's boomer and you're a millennial. And he, let's say he's a he and you're a she and there's all kinds of strife. Okay. If you wake up every day though, coming in saying, what problem does, does my boss have today? And how could I help solve that and help bring value to them in this situation? When I see you as, as valuable, when I start seeing that you're bringing me value, you know me, oh my gosh, we've got a wonderful relationship. It's when I don't see any value that the strife starts to happen. Mm-hmm. And I mean, this is a pretty harsh statement, but if you're not bringing value, you're taking up space. Like if you're not bringing me something I don't know or something I need to know, why are we talking? Right. And so just challenge yourself every day, whatever age you are, that whoever's in front of you, whether it's a customer, client, it's a, uh, a co-worker, okay, what do they need from me today? What can I bring them that they would value today? And if you start doing that, it doesn't take a whole long time uh, before folks start going, man, I love this guy. I love this guy. I mean, this is a great relationship. And that builds culture. It does. And, and it's not without conflict, but you aren't having conflict over stuff that's not important. Yes. Uh, it's okay to have conflict over the important stuff. Yeah. Where I see everybody stubbing their toe is, is that they're all just worked up over stuff that is fixable. They just don't know how to talk. And yes, I mean, they just, they just don't know how, they don't know the right words to use. <laughs> right. So I try, I, that's part of what I do is I try to say, here's exactly what to say yes. <laughs> that will help you connect to that person. Let's take a quick break to recognize our Spirit of Haggard podcast sponsor, Bimeda. Bimeda might be the biggest animal health company you've never heard of until now. Bimeda's products have been trusted by veterinarians and owners since the 1960s when our Irish roots began. Bimeda is one of the largest producers of dewormers like Equimax, Bimectin, and Exodus. World-renowned equine athletes also rely on polyglycan a patented formula that replaces lost or damaged synovial fluid in Confidence X pheromone gel, which reduces and prevents equine stress. Consult your vet and visit buymedaus.com to see where to buy. So let's do take a minute because I think that's a perfect transition, Jay, to our words. Okay. Let's go through our words. (laughs) This is like kindergarten. Let's go through our words. Let's go through our words today. 
Well, this was one of the most powerful things that um, that we came up with, and audiences across the board are taking this tool and using it. It's just called Generations in a Word. And so literally, let me just walk you through each generation really fast, and then I'm going to give you the one word for them. Okay. And then I'm going to tell you exactly what to say to them. Okay. All right. And so you can replay this if you're in the audience. <laughs> right. This is the part. Get you your want notebook. To, yeah. Put this on the notebook and then replay this because it's it's gold. Um, so traditionals. Traditionals were born before 1946. And so that makes them right about now in, in 2023, they're, they're, let's say, 78 years and older. So picture the people you know in your life that are 78 years and older. Mm-hmm. This generation's word is rules. Rules. They love rules and structure. And why wouldn't they? I mean, think of the world they grew up in you know, pre-World War II with the Great Depression and all of the public works programs of FDR. Then you had World War II and all the military bureaucracy. Then you have post-World War II corporate bureaucracy. They love and appreciate rules and structure. So when you work with them, the connecting words you want to use are, hey, tell me what are the rules about fill in the blank. So for example, Jody, if you're saying, how do I stay married to the same person for my, my lifetime? Uh, how do I come back from business failure? How do I how do I deal with success? How do I raise kids? They know this. And I find it funny that we're chasing the answers to that everywhere, but in these people. And what I love to do is sit down and you have to slow down. They're not going to speed up for you. You got to find time to slow down for them and ask them, hey, what are the rules to come back from failure? What are the rules to stay married to the same person? And if you do that, it's amazing what they want to share. Institutional knowledge off the chart. All right. So that's traditional. Okay. Baby boomers were born roughly between 40, 1946 and 1966. And I tell everybody, don't get hung up in the years because you'll go online and see that that's always off by like two years here or there. It's always the word that really matters. So for boomers, the word is legacy. I mentioned earlier that 10,000 a day are retiring. Yeah. Well, they want their work to have mattered. Right. And they want their lives to have mattered. And so... What our job, if we're not in that cohort, is to always position our conversation around their legacy. Hey, Doc, you know, I am your legacy. I'd really like to be here long after you're gone and continuing this amazing practice you built here and for this to go another however many years, right? Right. And so you always want to ask boomers these legacy questions. That's your connection point. Hey, What do you want to leave as a legacy? Hey, when you're not here anymore, either through retirement or you're really not here anymore, what would you like people saying about you? And how can I help that? You, I love the image. If you can think of it when you're working with boomers is try and put their name in the cornerstone of a building. Like everything I'm doing right now is trying to solidify your name. So you're remembered. If you do that, that's what's valuable to these folks. And it should be. They have worked really hard, especially in this profession. Right. And we want to honor that. All right. So next generation, my generation, Gen X, born roughly between 1966 and 1981. Um, so. We get forgotten. Jack. We <laughs> are the middle child, Jody, <laughs> of the family tree. A totally middle child. Like we got big brother, boomer, little brother, millennial, and they fight all the time. And mom and dad forget they got a middle kid. <laughs> we are the smallest generation out there. Um, so that means we have to be better at what I'm talking about than anybody else. Okay. Mm-hmm. We got to be the best communicators and we got to navigate this thing better because boomers and millennials can move the needle by their size. Uh, we can't. 
What's interesting, and I'm finding this across the board uh, when I'm speaking to audiences, regardless of the industry uh, or event, I always make people raise their hand if they're Gen X. What I'm seeing right now with my own eyes is the majority of audiences are Gen X. So we're talking a lot about boomers, talking a lot about millennials and what are they doing? What's going on, especially in this industry. But I guarantee you, if you do a poll at who's in leadership right now in the equine industry, you would be shocked at how big it is in Gen X. Yes. Um, So Dr. Rob Franklin, who's in charge of AAP right now down in Texas, become a good friend in this community. Uh, Gen X. Okay. So the president of the Equine Association is Gen X. So our word is Gen X is the word level. level. Now, why in the world would it be level? It's because it's based on every video game we grew up playing as kids. Every game, whatever you played, whether it was Pac-Man or Asteroids or Space Invaders or Centipede, whatever you played, the format of that game was the same. You put a quarter in a game, you got three lives, and you rode those lives as long as you could, climbing as many levels as you could to get high score. And so we are wired to play games. And I'm going to swap the word game now for the word priority. What we're trying to do is we have a couple of priorities that we're trying to level up in. And so if you're working with a Gen X doc right now, or you are Gen X or whatever, um, the question, the connection point is to always ask a Gen X person, uh, what are your top two priorities right now? The reason why you want to ask top two is because it's a lot of pressure to say, what's your top priority? Because it might shift day to day. Um, So if you were asking me, Jody, let's say you're, trying to sell me, I'm a doc and you're a, a rep and you're like, Hey doc, you know, tell me what your top two priorities are right now. And, and what if I said, Oh man, you know, really my family, my kids are both uh, freshmen in college or just finishing that first year. We're trying to be, spend as much time with them as possible. And secondarily, probably growing this business. I want to grow the practice and so forth. What you've got to do is position whatever you're talking about to help me climb levels in one or both of those games, those priorities. If you do that, man, you got me. I'm, I'm with you. I'm tracking. Okay. So traditional is the word's rules. Boomers, it's legacy. Gen X, it's level. Millennials, we said earlier, is impact. You want to have impact and you want it now. And for anyone that's not millennial, okay, What you need to understand about these guys is this is a real deal thing. This is important. They want to have impact and they want it now. And we have to articulate how we can help them have impact. And the connection words to say, the the phrase to say is simply this. How do you see change in the world and how can I help? And then you got to give them permission not to know the answer to that right now. If they don't, that's fine. But put it out there. And when I was training sales reps for this Fortune 500 company, um, we would have reps come in for a, a week at a time and you know stay with us. And and when I, when I would get to this part, I'd say, how many of y'all have kids or grandkids that are millennials right now? And they'd, a certain number would raise their hand. I'm like, go to the hotel tonight, call them and ask them that question. How do you see change in the world? How can I help? And then tell me what happens tomorrow. And they would come in and invariably, Jody, at least some portion of them would come in crying and saying, wow. I've never had that kind of conversation with my son or daughter or grandkid or grand. So if you are older right now than millennial and you've got millennials in your practice, I would challenge you to ask them individually, 
that question. How do you see changing the world? And how can I help? And how can I help? Yeah. And when you're interviewing interns or externs, when you know you've got one of these guys in your presence, ask that question, write down the answer. And if you can help, help them. And here's the caveat. Don't you dare take credit for it. Don't you dare take credit. Well, I got them that. I did that. Or that was my idea. Oh, yeah. Okay. Because you will burn. You burn them once. It's over. Um, They will never trust you again. So be earnest. Don't ask that question if you're not going to help them or you're going to bait and switch them. Okay. But the point is, that's a predisposition. I want to change the world. So help me do that. Okay. So that's millennials. And then Gen Z who are in school right now, they are first grade, middle school, high school, in college. Some say just out of college and one of undergrad. And what I would tell you at this moment, the bottom end of millennials and the top end of Gen Z is real squishy. Okay. It's more about the word. Okay. So, so don't worry about the birth years, but if they identify with impact, they're probably more millennial in their thinking, but Gen Z's word is customize. Everything in their world is customized to them, the individual. Okay. Mm -hmm. This is a big deal gang for all you all as this group comes up. Now we, you've got time. They're not coming tomorrow, but they are coming. And when they hit you, they are going to ask, well, what's the personalization of working here? What's my own benefits plan? What's my own schedule? Or I, I get to have my own designer truck or whatever that looks like. Yes. They're looking for a customizable experience. Now, immediately that throws up guards like, oh, my gosh. I, blah, blah. So here's how you do that without losing <laughs> your mind, you all, is um, I would challenge you to, to create two buckets, one bucket of things that you cannot change. Uh, law says this. OSHA says that. Medical protocol says we have to do it this way. Right. Put all of that in one bucket and articulate that to Gen Z. Hey, these are the things that are not changeable or you can't make it your own. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's reasons why. They just want to know. They're okay once you tell them. But then everything else, I would have you throw it in a bucket and you be okay with them customizing that. Right. So if it's a, a different path into the practice than you've ever done before, or, well, your internship doesn't look like that. Well, you might want to think about changing that. Um, one of the crazy things that we saw, let me just give you a prime example. During COVID, many, many, many students got dogs right. and cats, but dogs, let's just camp on those. Uh, They were alone and they became family. Now, that young person is now going to intern with you. And we don't allow dogs on the campus because dogs and horses don't mix. Although they do ride around the truck a lot, I see. Hmm, Interesting. But my point to you is, is practices and in this community is, okay, so you're going to work them however hard you're going to work them as an intern. Yes. And not let them see their kid. What if that was a child? Of a human variety. Of a human variety, two-legged variety. (laughs) How would you you look at that if you said, we're going to burn you out, use you up as an intern, because that's what we do, Mm -hmm. um, and we're going to leave your kid at home. You can't let them out. You can't can't be with them, whatever. How would they think about you as a practice, right? So what I'm telling practices to consider and people to consider is how can you create, quote-unquote, child care for them? 
is there a barn on this campus? Is there a space you could throw up an animal shelter that they could bring them two or three days a week and just board them there and go out on smoke break? I know we don't smoke anymore, but (laughs) that's Gen X for you. I'm just a little Gen X humor there. But go out on that break, go out when, when it's lunchtime and just go see their kid. This is a real deal thing because of COVID. Remember I said COVID changed all the rules. So a practice that wanted to be super progressive and be uh, an employer of choice would have a program for that, that animal. Right. And if you don't need to mix the the horses and the dogs, that's cool. Put it somewhere, put a fence around it, make a little dog park out of it where they can't get out or anything like that. But that's the type of customization you're going to have to consider at least. You don't have to do it, but maybe there's something better that you come up with. So traditionals is rules. Rules. Boomers, legacy. Legacy. Gen X is level. Level. Millennials is impact. And Gen Z is customized. Customized. If you know who's in front of you, what I just said is their problem. Yes. When I said, how do you, what problem do you solve for them? Right. Well, how can you help me level up? How can you help me leave a legacy? How can you help me know what the rules are? What that's the problem they have. Yeah. So if you know nothing else about them but their generation, use the word and run that through the filter of ultimately this is what they're trying to do, uh, and and I, how can I help them do that? And using that to craft the questions that we are asking them. Yeah. It's, it's as simple as conversation. It's as simple and as complicated as uh, yes. I totally forgot the connection point for Gen Z. I got off on my dog, my dog rant there for just a second. So when you're dealing with Gen Z, here's what's really weird about these guys. I thought I had a total unicorn because um, I've got this young Gen Z. He was 17 years old. Uh, He's now 23. And he called me and said, would you mentor me? I'm like, oh, my gosh. I've known his dad since we were little. And I was just thinking, I would never call this guy's dad to mentor me. Like the guts it took to do that. So, of course, I'm going to help him. So, I've walked with this kid for six years now, y'all. And I'm thinking he's one in a generation. Nope. We've got like 12 of these guys. My point is, Gen Z is super open to mentorship. Yes. They are highly entrepreneurial. They're highly motivated for what they want. Now, they're not hip on stuff that they don't see of value to them. Right. And that's why an education, a broad education, is really tough for them. Okay. So that's a challenge for a later date. But here's how you build the relationship with Gen Z. And if you've got kids or grandkids or friends in this generation uh, and you're wanting to mentor, try this work, this connection point. All you have to do is say, may I share something with you that will shorten the runway to your success? They will listen every time. If you just say shorten the runway to your success, they will pay attention every time. And it's crazy because you can mentor them so much quicker um, than other generations. I don't know what it is about them, but I use that line all the time. And they just are like sponges when you say it that way. Okay. May may I share something with you that will shorten the runway to your success? Yeah. Who doesn't want to shorten the runway to success? And I'm always telling them, like, you don't have to be my age to figure this thing out. If you can figure it out at 20 and I can help you shorten that runway. And so long story short, five generations. All want what they want, Jody. Yes. We've never had this dynamic going on. So anything that you, anybody listening right now, whatever you're struggling with, if you give me long enough, I'll show you how it goes up to five generations. So if you're struggling with recruiting and retention, Mm -hmm. managing and motivating, technology adoption, uh, marketing and messaging, 
customer service. It's all five generations wanting it their own way. Yes. And once you figure out, oh, wait, there's a word and I can connect better and I can communicate. Oh my goodness. It's, we've seen such great results. I agree. And, and there are so many nuggets of knowledge mm-hmm. and wisdom and it truly does come back to us taking the responsibility to become more effective in our understanding of ourselves yeah. and our willingness to understand others. Because I think we are in a space where it's very easy to buy into whether, I mean, I love you call it chaos. Mm-hmm. I call it today's hustle culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, any way we look at it, <laughs> we are being demanded to be more, do more, produce more. Yeah. And literally our hair is on fire. I'm trying to make everybody like me. I'm not even self-aware enough to know that they're, they're different. And I totally get it that in this profession, there's, you got to, you got to sprint at times. Right. I mean, there are times to have the, the why, the feely findy conversations and stuff like that. So, so don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying uh, because I recognize that this profession has a completely different cadence, but there are times where you can build that relationship up. Yes. And I would just encourage your audience that, hey, it might not be during breeding season. Right. <laughs> and it might in be certain parts of the country. In certain right? parts of the yeah. country. Or here in Kentucky, it's not during the, the uh, <laughs> sales of those two weeks, you know, whatever. But, but when are the times that you can look at your schedule and say, I'm going to invest in my people and I'm going to invest in myself and kind of figure out how to do this better? Because the best news of the day for anybody listening is you all – there isn't anybody out there that says, if you just do it like me, I've got it all figured out. Mm-hmm. COVID changed that dynamic. So what I want to hear, I want your audience to hear, Jody, is that nobody knows what they're doing right now because nobody's ever tried to do this in a pandemic, uh, in post-pandemic with all the ripples that come off of that. Nobody's ever tried to do it with eight seconds or less of attention span or five generations. Yeah. So give yourself some grace that burnout, some of that burnout's coming from the fact that we try this doesn't work. And then, Oh, we reverse course. And we're give yourself grace and give your people grace is all I can tell you right now. We're figuring this out together. And you remember how during the beginning of COVID, everybody fell in love with the word pivot, pivot, we're all pivoting, but you know, what's wrong with pivot is (laughs) that you've got to keep one foot posted. You got to keep one foot planted. So all the best you can do is run and go in a circle. (laughs) Right? Didn't yes. it feel like we're just That's a, great, that's a right? great visual. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it seemed like the right term at the time, and I used it even back then. But I think a better way for your audience to save their sanity is the old Vince Lombardi quote. Vince Lombardi, back when he was the coach of the Green Bay Packers in the 60s, had this great quote called Run for Daylight. And the idea was um, you call the right play at the right time of the game. Okay, and it calls for the running back to go into this particular hole. It's nothing wrong with the play, perfectly drawn up, but something happens when the play evolves. Maybe the linemen fell over each other, maybe they tripped, or maybe the defensive guy just got there a little faster than normal, or what something happened, the hole closes. And that's not an option anymore. That was where we called it, but it's not an option. What Lombardi said, run for daylight, was keep your feet moving. And look for the next hole to open up and go there. Yes. 
when you stand flat-footed, it's over. <laughs> you're going to get creamed. And when you pivot, you're just walking, you're going in a giant <laughs> circle. So don't do that anymore. But I would challenge your audience to run for daylight. To When you see the opportunity to build a relationship with this person, run to that. If that closes down, okay, give yourself some grace. Look for the next opportunity to do that. Um, I think it'll save your sanity. Run for daylight. Run for daylight. That is wisdom. Well, that's what we're trying to impart here. That, that is. Save that your is, sanity that, stuff, that, man. It may not be wisdom, but I'm just trying right. to save sanity in here. Right. We do need to save some sanity. We are in, in a place to save sanity. Jay, this is, as always, so incredibly valuable. And we felt like it was just the perfect time to add this as a bonus episode to the spirit of Haggard. And, you know, as we just continue to gain more listeners and interest from our listeners, you know, they continue to visit us here in central Kentucky and back to your story, they fall in love as you did by just attending something like the September sale or, you know, riding in a truck with one of our, our veterinarians. And so we fall in love with not only equine veterinary medicine, but central Kentucky and the whole industry. So these are the kinds of lessons and stories and connections that this is truly all about. So we are honored that you would spend time. No, yeah. I, with I, I, let me just say, you know, if you're listening, you're in a tough, tough profession. Okay. And and I know you know that, right? But you need to hear it from somebody that's not in the profession. And then I work with everybody across every industry. And what you do, though, is so valuable. Mm-hmm. And if I could leave you with any thought, it's this. Um, you do something no one else can do. You can fix my animal. My MD can't do it. My mechanic can't do it. My dentist can't do it. My lawyer can't do it. You can. You have such specialized skill and you work in such an amazing industry, a, a profession that is unique that we talked about as a lifestyle that's not just a job, but it's hard. It's physically hard. It's dangerous. Um, and yet at the same time, it's massively rewarding, Mm. but you may not see that. It's so special. It is absolutely, but you're special people. And I want you to understand that you're wired different and that wiring is so good and so needed. And I just would encourage you to not let the headwinds of all of this storm of chaos throw you off. If there's stuff that we can do to where you can, we can do this together and you pick something up today that, oh, well, that makes total sense. That's why my boss acts like they do, or that's why that intern acts the way they do, or my mother acts the way she does, or whatever. (laughs) Uh, You know, at the end of the day, you all, it is about relationships. And you want people speaking well of you when it's all said and done. So I would just always tell you that it's not the four-legged, you got that guy, you've got that covered. It's the two-legged, nobody ever taught you how to do stuff with. Well, you don't learn that in vet school. Um, and you run at a fever pace, and so you don't do it well sometimes in the practice. So I hope that this episode gives you some insight, but also some practical and tactical that you can say, mm, I can use that uh, tomorrow. But I would just challenge you to ask yourself, or to do two things. Here's my last challenge. First, think about if 
if someone was out there talking, like, let me give you an example. If I was out speaking right now to a room full of strangers, I'm going to tell them about Jody. I'm going to tell them about you and what you mean to me. I talk about you all the time about how, you know, our friendship was formed doing this, but gosh, over the last six years, it's grown and we get to do these things together. This is really cool. You know, my question to you listening is who's talking about you the way I talk about Jody? If the answer is, well, I don't know, nobody, or maybe, I don't, hey, you've got, you've got the opportunity today. Start building into people around you uh, because that's where the good stuff is. And the second thing is, and here's practical and tactical, in the next seven days from the time you hear this, um, I want you to make an appointment with someone that is important to you. And I don't care how you define important. Someone is important to you, and I want you to go to breakfast, lunch, coffee, or dinner, okay? And when you go to that breakfast, lunch, coffee, or dinner, I want you to take off your watch, take your phone out and leave them in the car. Because if you can't get with somebody that's important to you without those two things, you're in serious trouble. Yes. This is your wake up call. The doctor is in the house saying you are redlining. Um, Do that with someone important to you and then do it again and again, and then do it with someone else and start practicing relationship building again. And this thing can turn very quickly where you become the go-to person and folks love working with you and for you, and they want you to work with them. Um, and I, that would be my cheering you on, my wildcat yeah, mascot love in this. me, the chief encouragement officer. You are my chief encouragement <laughs> officer, without but, a doubt. But that I, I would want that for everybody out there where folks are starting to practice relationships again and getting good at it. Because we weren't real good at it. COVID really jammed that up. And I think we've got a tremendous opportunity right now. I agree. It's a passion of yours and yeah. mine both. So to you, Jay, our chief encouragement officer, where can our listeners connect with you? Yeah, the easiest way to find me is just McCord Inc. But I spell McCord weird. So it's M-C-C-H-O-R-D-I-N-C.com. So McCordInc.com. Or you can just uh, email me at jmccord at gmail.com. It's easy, easy to find me. Yes. So we hope that all of our listeners will get the opportunity to see and be with you live and in person at some of the events that we continue to plan and do together. And then obviously all that you do otherwise. So uh, again, as we close this episode, this bonus episode of the spirit of Haggard, you have brought so much energy and insight and wisdom as we all continue to become more effective And our goal is developing greater, more rewarding relationships. And there's just, there's so much that you bring us each and every time. So thank you, Jay. Absolutely. Thank you for the honor to be here. And to our listeners, if you are not caught up on previous episodes, please be sure to do so. We hope that if you enjoyed today's episode, that you will give us a five-star review. You will share it with others and continue to come back and connect with the spirit of Haggard and come see us in central Kentucky. With that, cheers to the spirit of Haggard. Thanks for tuning in to the Spirit of Haggard podcast today, sponsored by Bymeda. I'm your host, Jody Lynch Findlay, speaker and podcaster. You can connect with me at jodyspeakslife.com.